Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, hello, whatever fucking time it is where you are. This is In Defense of Liberation. Thanks for tuning in. This is the show that is working towards and educating about a true people's liberation movement. Um, And hopefully one day, a true proletarian revolution. Um, But of course, until we get there, I am your host, Josh, and like I said, welcome to In Defense of Liberation. A few things. First and foremost, um, I'm still kind of getting over a little head cold right now. Thankfully, not COVID, uh, not strep throat, and not an upper respiratory infection. Um, Just seems like a little bit of a head cold. So uh, my throat is scratchy. I got a gross cough, and I sound snuffy. But, uh, or whatever, proper (laughs) snuffy. I don't know what that means, but all right, we're going to go with it. Um, So if that, you know, sounds gross or whatever, I apologize. I I know it it sounds gross, but I, you know, I had something to talk about today. So I felt like hopping on the show and and chatting about that because I think that a lot of us, um, we're starting to get more in that habit of isolation. I think that that has a lot to do with the fact that, A, none of us can really afford to go do anything. I know in my hometown, the only few things that there are to do are, like, hella expensive um, and not necessarily, like, activities, like going to the mall and spending money, just, like, consumerism. That's, like, what there is to do in my area. (laughs) Uh, B, because, you know, it's still the pandemic, so a lot of us are actually being intelligent and still staying as vigilant and as cautious as we can. Um, C, it's because we are still in the pandemic and some people, although aren't taking it seriously, now have, like, severe trauma response to being around folks. Uh, uh, You know, a lot of us, such as myself, who have already, like, severe social anxiety, um you know, this pandemic did a job on my ability to talk to people, on my ability to communicate and reach out to people. And it definitely uh, has hampered my ability and want even to be around people at all because I just get so nervous, you know? And then kind of the culmination of all of that is just the fact that like, we're all so depressed and we're all so tired and we're all so anxious and sick and, you know, sick of just bullshit that we just want to chill, like, we just want to go home, smoke our blunt, like, drink our drink, have a little cigarette or whatever, watch some Netflix, whatever, we all have our little thing that we want to get home and do to relax, so, like, isolation has become a big part of my life in the last year, and it's been a part of my life for a very long time, and, you know, as someone who has done that for a long time, I do not recommend it, it is incredibly unhealthy, Um, but the reason why I bring this up is because yesterday I was lucky enough to be able to have some of my good friends over. Um, we had, you know, some smoke, we had some conversation and it was just honestly beautiful. Um, and I wanted to talk about this idea of community and this idea of love. Um, and this idea of kind of like friendship and solidarity uh, within the struggle, outside of the struggle, and kind of just like the humanity uh, surrounding it. I think a lot of us know, um, for example, when we're not around the people that we love, 
when we don't get to do the things that we want to do that make us happy. I think a lot of us are aware of some of the negative impacts that that can have on our lives. But I think a lot of us also think that we aren't experiencing those. Um, you know, a lot of us want to believe that, well, I'm not, I'm not really depressed right now. I'm able to, you know, recognize that and see it coming. Uh, but I know for, for myself, I might be good at being able to pick up and recognize when my depression is coming, but I sure as shit don't know how to curve that. Um, same with my anxiety. I know when I'm about to have a panic attack, but I don't know how to curve that. And I think a lot of us are very indoctrinated into this belief that, you know, this constant go, 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 and then just absolute crash and exhaustion is any kind of way to live a life. Um, There's a lot of us who, for example, like myself, have like a productivity fixation where if I'm home on a day off, I don't get to just relax. You know, my brain says, oh, well, we got to do this, 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 and that. Um, And we got, you know, all this shit that you were supposed to be doing for these last two weeks that you've been too fucking depressed to do. Yeah, let's do that today. And and let's, you know, have another one of those anxiety attacks. Um, And what seems to happen is I get very caught in this cycle of never feeling like I do enough, always feeling like I need to do more, but also feeling like I physically and like mentally cannot do anything else. Um, And that's burnout. That's burnout. And the amount of people that I know who experience that almost daily and do not recognize it is so sad so incredibly sad all my homies all my good friends my comrades my family who are all out here you know working their asses off just to make a little money just to be able to feed themselves make sure their kids are safe make sure they got you know that that copay down so that they can see a doctor um it ruins you um my you know 14 year old nephew he's all about the grind Um, and he got a little landscaping job and this, you know, this boy wants to, he wants to become a millionaire, you know? So like, I was there when I started working when I was 12 years old. Um, and it's probably the worst mistake I ever made. I didn't have a summer to myself after I turned 12, not one. Um, still to this day. Um, so we know, you know, we know, I think quite intrinsically that a majority of our lives are not amicable. They're not beneficial to ourselves in a lot of ways that we would like them to be. Um, oftentimes we throw at least 40 to 60% of our day to day as well as week to week, uh, lives away for the sake of making money, um, and sleeping. You know, because, like, everybody wants to say, well, you only work eight hours. Yeah, well, I got to sleep eight hours. That leaves me eight hours a day. If I even have that, you know, if it's strictly eight, eight, and eight, um, that only leaves me eight hours in the day 
to even like be a human being and do everything that I have been not capable of doing for like the whole week, you know? And then you hit your days off and like I said, it's just boom, 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 boom. One thing to the next, one thing to the next. I got to get this done. Then I got to go over here and pay this bill. And then I got to go over here and spend this money so that I can get an AC because it's the hottest fucking summer in, you know, New York State that there's been in years. So I got to go spend 300 fucking dollars just to not die in my apartment of heat exhaustion. Um, And like all these little things that we don't even think about that are so ingrained into our understanding of what life is, Um, you know, my stupid fucking father always liked to say, uh, it is what it is, or life sucks, or life isn't fair, Um, that's not true, we, you know, we live in a a community, and we live in a uh, period of human development, which has been created, Um, this did not necessarily come to, quote, naturally. There were forces external to, say, capitalism that required push in order to create capitalism. Nobody was just sitting on their ass, doing nothing, living their life for fucking 5,000 years, and then just, boom, capitalism. That's not, that's not how that worked, like... And so we have to recognize that a lot of the shit that we deal with is not how life should be, is not, you know, whatever. It's not whatever, life sucks. It's fuck this, this needs to change. Um, And it can change and it has changed because you have to figure at one point we had 14 and 16 hour working days. Now we work eight hour days, albeit not the greatest improvement, it's quite the improvement. And that came by communities and groups of people coming together, organizing, recognizing what laid ahead of them, recognizing what they could and could not ask for and expect to be granted. Um, And, you know, at one point or another, a lot of these actions a lot of these movements and organizations, they had to make the decision. And I think that oftentimes this decision is made right from the get-go of, are we fighting for these struggles for reforming the system? Or are we struggling for reforms to work towards abolishing the system. So earlier, you know, I'm talking about community, having my friends over. One of the things that I recognized is in my day-to-day life, I almost only talk about socialism and communism. (coughs) And I think some people might have a problem with that. Um, And I think some people might take a disinterest in that and feel that I am not willing and able to discuss with them what they want to discuss. I'm not willing and able to put my interests on the side in order to listen to others. And first and foremost, that's not true. I think I do a fantastic... I mean, you don't know, so I don't need to explain to you, but I try my best to do a great job at discussing other things. And then when the moment is right, 
being able to turn those discussions into discussions about capitalism and why it's wrong or about socialism or about a historical revolution that took place that is, you know, akin to the struggle that we're discussing. Um, And like I said, a lot of people don't seem to like that um, because I think a lot of people like to live in this world full of blissful ignorance. Um, And even if it's not so conscious that they're like, fuck that, I don't want to think about it. They're at least making the choice that, you know, I get it. Shit's fucked. But it's not going to get better. So let's just move past that. And, I mean, how can you blame them? How can you blame anybody for being depressed right now? How can you you blame anybody for thinking that capitalism can't come down? That socialism and communism can't be instated? That people are just evil and greedy and cruel and self-centered and conceited and unconscious of their surroundings and ignorant? Um, I think all of this is true, but I think all of this has been made true. I don't think there's a single person on this planet who has actually been given the opportunity to decide whether or not they want to be ignorant, unless they're at the up, up, upper echelons of society. Because I don't care who you are. We all got to go to school. We all get our news from the same place. We all go on Facebook and go on Instagram and Twitter and TikTok and all these different social media apps that give quite the space to propaganda, to brainwashing, to ahistorical, you know, discussions and just lies, lies everywhere. Folks be lying like crazy. Um, And so, you know, connecting it to my friends coming over and and how enjoyable that was. um, I think that I think we can't lie to our friends. I think that we can't lie to our family members and and lie to ourselves about the reality of the situation that we are living in today. Um, You know, we live in the United... Well, I live in the United States, and I'm lucky enough to be able to have some pretty good escapes to stop caring about the struggle. Um, I'm white. I'm cisgender. I'm heterosexual. um, And, well, actually... That's not true. <laughs> LOL. Um, but I, I am white and cisgender. I'm, I'm bi. I made that sound weird. Sorry. <laughs> um, yeah. I, but, like, folks don't need to know that. So, like, I have enough of a cover to, if I wanted to, stop caring. Go get me my little house in the, the suburbs and have me my little money and, you know, my kids and my, my white picket fence and shit. And, like, yeah, I mean, I probably will go into debt for the rest of my life to do it. But life sucks, right? Life isn't fair, right? So, like, I would do that. Look at all the people probably in your neighborhood who have the nicest house, the nicest car, the nicest, the big-ass boat in the drive. Yeah, that's not theirs. That's the banks. That's the banks. Um, they don't want to talk about, though, uh, how incredibly ingrained into this system, even even the supposedly rich uh, of, you know, the working class, the middle class, even those folks have no capability of catching up to the wealthy elite. So I think that in the United States, we are granted an opportunity that a lot of folks don't have to be very consciously ignorant to all of the struggles happening in our country 
as well as all over the world. Um, I think plenty of leftists ignore indigenous struggles and resistance to make that very clear. I think enough leftists uh, ignore trans, uh, BIPOC, and, you know, non-class, quote-unquote non-class struggle, uh, struggles. Um, I think they do a great enough job of pushing those to the side to prove that Western propaganda is strong. Ideology is strong. Hegemony is strong. And even folks who call themselves communists, socialists, leftists, anarchists, liberals, that's what they are, liberals. And it's because we have been convinced in this country that it is enough to say, I'm anti-capitalist, to be anti-capitalist. We have been convinced that it's enough to say, I'm anti-racist, to be anti-racist. We cannot simply speak and be united in, in any kind of just verbiage or rhetoric. You know, there's enough Democrats and, and, you know, liberals going up on the stage up there and talking about, you know, we want to see black folks be able to live a safe, happy, healthy life here in the United States of America. Also, we're not going to teach any kind of, you know, education about the history of why black people are made second class citizens in this country. We're not going to talk about the fact that, uh, you know, it was black folks who picked up the gun, who joined the armies, who were able to free themselves and that was why the Civil War was won. And that is why, uh, you know, slavery was abolished. Not because of Abe Lincoln or some fucking, uh, it was the Republicans at the time, some radical Republicans who were going up there talking about let's end slavery. No, because they, they didn't want to talk about that. They didn't want to talk about let's end slavery until 1864-ish. You know, up until then, Abe Lincoln, the radical Republicans, even when they were talking about, like, let's abolish slavery... It was not let's abolish slavery and create an actual equal society wherein each and every person, whether race, uh, sex, gender, creed, religion, whatever, was going to live a, a, a similar life to one another. No, it was just let's abolish slavery in, in the very simple and few places where that did pop up before black folks were joining and, and, and fighting in mass for their own freedom in the Civil War and, and afterwards. Uh, that that was when the, the game changed. And folks don't want to listen to that. Folks don't want to talk about that because that means they have to do than just... They have to do more than just run their mouths. They have to do more than just post on social media. They have to do more than just go to a protest for a nice little picture and then snap that and then bounce. Look at, you know, for example, we talked about the, the eight-hour workday. Um... I think that that's a clear example of, you know, the utter uselessness of struggling for specifically reforms um, rather than reforming to struggle towards abolishing a system because you had the eight-hour workday, but in that struggle, you did not, uh, you know, acquire any kind of rights for women or non-white workers uh, you didn't improve the material conditions of the working conditions that people lived in. You didn't improve the situation for non-workers. Um, and you left out, you know, just about any in-between struggle other than let's get the eight-hour workday completely aside. <laughs> but this is the difference between having like a true community uh, true 
solidarity, um, true uh, struggle for actually alleviating and ending the issues that we're facing. And that comes from organizing. And that comes from organizing your community. And that comes from organizing your community, educating your community, feeding your community, housing your community, and working with your community to struggle for more. Because at this point in time, where we are at in the United States of America is nothing compared to the rest of the world. But many of us want to think that the struggle for the minimum wage or the struggle for, you know, uh, Medicare for all. These are the ultimate struggles. These are what's going to get us towards, you know, a truly equal and healthy and happy society. No, because at the end of the day, when you struggle for reforms and you struggle for exclusively reforms, you will find that those reforms can be revoked and they can be changed, and they can be manipulated, and they can be made into something that they are not so that they help no one. It happens time and time and time again. And, you know, kind of here's the reason why. Here's, um, you know, a little connection also as well to this, this idea of why community is so important is because when you're struggling for reforms, all right, you got to think about the power structure that is in place. You have, in a society such as ours, a government structure. You know, you have the, the administration, uh, the House of Representatives, Congress, the judiciary as well, um, the Supreme Court, all those motherfuckers. You have those folks, right? That's who's in charge, quote unquote. That's who's getting on TV. That's who's, you know, name is at the bottom of the bill. But we also know that that's not actually necessarily who is in charge. Um, That's a lot of times who makes the decisions, the end, end, you know, say. But it's very rarely who's putting the pen to paper who has actually made the decision. Um, We know that corporate lobbyists control almost the entirety of, you know, our government structure. Um, we know that our government structure developing out of colonialism, uh, developing out of, um, well, I, I wouldn't even say developing out of colonial, developing from colonialism into, uh, intense imperialism and late stage capitalism, you cannot separate you know, this society and this government structure and this power structure, you can't separate it from the money and the history that created it. You have to figure a lot of the laws that we have now were written at a time when slaves were owned. A lot of the people who, you know, are in the Supreme Court who are using the Constitution as this holy grail of uh, law Um, are using a document that was written 250 years ago by wealthy plantation owners, slave owners, uh, land speculators, uh, indigenous people murderers, um, women abusers, and all kinds of just awful fucking people. And that's the law of our land. 
that is what dictates how we decide if something can or cannot happen by the government or by other entities of which the government gets to decide about. But we also know that even that is not the the place where the ridiculousness ends because even in the instances when they do not follow that ridiculous law, they take it to a whole nother level because, hey, I don't know if you would know this, um, but killing black people, police killing black and brown and indigenous people is actually illegal. I don't know if you knew this, uh, but murder is illegal, even if you have a stupid fucking badge on your chest, um, even if your gun was purchased by the state, uh, even if your body cam, you know, mysteriously turns off for a moment, uh, murder is still illegal. But of course, we know that even the stupid, ridiculous laws that we have that send people to prison for the rest of their lives for murders that they didn't commit never sees justice for the people who actually commit crimes, who actually in a position such as, you know, these government officials and lobbyists are where they have the ability to abuse incredible amounts of people, misuse power, uh, misuse information, misuse guns and kill people. And those laws don't do nothing to harm them. So you have here what is called a class society. Now, this class society is structured in the way that we were discussing, which we know you have a certain group of people who are in charge. You have a certain group of people who pay those people to be in charge. And you have an entire society built around the fact that it, it will be those groups of people which are always in charge, which are always holding the power in their hands, in their wallets, and in their pens. But what if I told you that this is no more natural than capitalism itself? This is no more natural than the shit-ass food we eat. This is no more natural than the 9 to 5 or 9 to 6 or 9 to 7 that we work, that we have to watch 60% of our lives disappear because this is not natural. Just like our government structure, which supposedly just blossomed from the beautiful minds of, of folks such as, you know... Uh, the liberal enlightenment thinkers. Uh, this is this is the reality that we're supposed to believe is natural. But just as those things are not natural, this class society is not natural. It is man-made. At one point in time. Now, I am not going to give you a specific point in time. Um, because my anthropological understandings, as well as my, you know, world history, is not what I would like it to be. That's for sure. But as we do know, there was a time which we uh, so callously refer to as primitive, um, where you had what was called a collectivist or a communal society. At one point, that society switched. And you started to see the development of a class society. However, as we know, 
we will be corrected by diehard Marxists who spend all of their times jerking off to different videos about dialectical materialism. Um, that technically this is not considered class society because no true classes had solidified themselves. However, you had a separation in power dynamics wherein a specific group of people, whether it was the religious clergy, whether it was the, you know, um, emperors or the pharaohs, which oftentimes, I mean, I would be moderately convinced to the fact that we don't even have quite the, the correct grasp on, on these government structures because of how well we do um, completely disregarding different forms of power, different forms of organizing. So, I mean, I would have to go into some study, but I wouldn't be too surprised if the, you know, pharaohs and emperors and different folks like that, did, you know, at one point were still able to exist similar to chiefs and, and, and um others in more indigenous communities, they, they probably, because of the culture that exists in those areas, um, and the history that exists in those areas and the traditions, I wouldn't be surprised if those positions weren't so abusive, like we're, you know, taught to, to see them as, but you had real forms of power beginning to surface themselves, you know, you had groups of people who had insane amount of wealth or in some societies that were more based on land you had groups of people who owned huge tacts of land um, such as in the Roman Empire and the Greek civilizations all over uh, which became known as the early slave societies you had a different type of slavery than we might know here in the United States, which is called chattel slavery. Um, but you had slavery in the same way that these groups of people were not given the rights that others were given. Um, they were not made to live the same fruitful, enjoyable life as the upper echelon of these societies. And eventually, this continued um, cycle uh, one group of people remaining powerful, remaining wealthy, remaining socially dominant, remaining, you know, whole, uh, dug into the church, um, they were able to solidify their rule. They were able to, I don't know what the proper word would be, but it changed from a quantitative relationship of having, you know, more as in more money or more land or more whatever and it transitioned into a qualitative difference which was I am the landlord or I am the slave owner or I am the priest or the clergy or whomever and you are the subject you are the slave you are the serf and you will bow down before me that is the difference in the, the shift from that quantitative uh, separation in society to the qualitative. Um, and the lives that these folks live, I mean, we can see the clear contradictions today of what it is to be rich and what it is to be poor. Um, not a damn one of us, I think, knows what it is to be rich. And not a damn one of us here in the U.S. knows what it is to be poor, at least in the way that some folks all over the world really do. And 
this is why, you know, you need that community structure. First and foremost, because in this situation, we can never obviously compare struggles and say, this person's struggle is worse than this one, or this person's struggle is more important than this one. If we're true socialists, if we're true communists, anarchists, leftists, we want to be able to analyze a situation and say, how do these struggles connect? How do these struggles connect? How do they come from a similar origin? And how can we blast at the base of these struggles to eliminate each and every one? We can't say, okay, I'm, you know, I'm white and I just care about the white working class. Or I'm black and I just care about the black working class. Or I'm indigenous and I just care about my indigenous relatives. Um, and that's hard because, you know, for example, black, brown, and indigenous folks should have any reason in their mind to be like, fuck y'all, you all can suck my dick. I am going to go over here where my people are and I'm going to take care of my people. I, I couldn't tell a single oppressed person that they were wrong for doing that or for thinking that or for wanting to think like that. Uh, because, you know, it, speaking bluntly as a white person, white people have done everything in their power to make it so that white people should and could be wiped off of the face of the earth. <laughs> like, uh, white supremacy developed directly out of colonialism. It developed directly out of the beginning stages of the class societies that we're, we're you know, learning about and, and seeing. Um, but white supremacy also, in and of itself, is now its own struggle and its own um, contradiction that needs to be dealt with. Uh, that doesn't mean now we have to explicitly struggle against racism, but any struggle that we are a part of that does not include the struggle for, you know, equal racial justice and, and racial uh, equity um, is not a struggle you should be a part of. Um, the difference becomes knowing strategy and tactics, knowing what to center what not to center, how to analyze situations like this, and how to, like I said, connect the dots and be able to spray at the base of the fire to eliminate all of the problems that we're seeing today. That's how, that's how something like that succeeds. You know, that's why Fred Hampton was shot in his bed four o'clock in the morning next to his 19-year-old pregnant girlfriend was because he and the others in the Chicago Panther Party were able to come up with what was called the Rainbow Coalition. They were able to connect the struggles of black folks with the struggles of poor white folks, with the struggles of the Puerto Rican folks in their area. They were able to go down to the neighborhoods and talk with the quote-unquote gang members, what they called the street tribes. They were able to go down and meet with the women and the, the, you know, the hungry children and feed them and, and house them and talk with them and grow their you know, kind of compassion and grow their sense of community. Uh, but at no point did the Black Panther Party say, listen, um, if you're not explicitly fighting for this goal, this one very specific goal, if you aren't building a, a breakfast program, you are not X, Y, or Z. 
because that is the mark of a failed organization. That is the mark of a organization which cannot strategize, which cannot communicate, which cannot organize itself, and which cannot analyze and work towards a specific goal. When we have our sense of community, we don't want to just have community for the sake of having people around. We have seen mass mobilizations like Occupy Wall Street, the WTO uh, protests, uh, Arab Spring, um, the Egyptian protests, and I think it was 2016 and 2017. Um, there's been all kinds of mass mobilizations all over the world for centuries. You know, far before there was ever a, a Marxist or a socialist rev- revolution, there was plenty of rebellions, uprisings, strikes, you know, all kinds of different terms for people getting pissed off about the way things were and doing something about it. Um, but the difference is none of those ended the struggles that they were facing. Like, you know, you got to think the Civil War didn't end racism. Civil War did not end racism. Civil War didn't even end slavery. We have mass incarceration. We have 20% of the world's population in our prisons. Or I should say, I believe that's incorrect. I said that wrong. We have 20% of the world's prison population in our prisons here in the United States of America. And if you read our prisons obsolete, which I know a lot of people have read, but a lot more got to read, you recognize that from slavery, you have a direct line to imprisonment where only slightly is it reformed. And here, as an example of how reforms fail and how struggling simply for reforms fail, we see that at one point, the prison system was preferred to the idea of capital punishment. So we struggled for prisons. And then we saw how abusive prisons were to the prisoners after 100 to 200 years of not giving a shit. And we struggled for prison reform. And now today, we look at the the super uh, security, supermax, that, that's what they are, supermax security prisons. Where people, human beings, spend 23 hours a day staring at a fucking wall in a 4x4 cell with nothing but their own selves and their own minds and maybe someone else in the cell and a a guard to yell at them to, to get through their day. We saw the development of chain gangs. We saw the development of convict leasing programs where businesses were able to pay prisons to use prisoners as slaves and at the time when you know imprisonment became the objective rather than enslavement especially in the south you saw black and brown folks work in the same goddamn fields doing the same goddamn jobs that they were doing as slaves except now they make five cents an hour or two cents an hour and they got a different colored uniform on they got black and white stripes instead of you know whatever bullshit-ass clothes their owners and and plantation owners were giving them beforehand. Um, You got to see, as Kwame Ture puts it, we can't simply organize uh, ourselves 
uh, united in thought. Uh, also, we can't just necessarily be organized against something. And we also can't just mobilize. Because we can't just, you know, get up and sit down time and time again and expect that that's going to cause any kind of, you know, extended struggle that's going to force the ruling class and the powers that be to step away, to take their foot off of our necks, and to eradicate themselves. That will never happen. And this is why the idea of community, the idea of class struggle... The idea of class society and the idea of organization need to wholeheartedly be cemented in our minds and understood. We cannot simply organize against capitalism because then you will find that there are people who want black capitalism. There are people who want brown capitalism. There are people who want indigenous capitalism, women's capitalism. But if we are astute in our analysis of the situation, we know that we cannot have any capitalism. We must have socialism. Fred Hampton says it very good, very well. We do not fight fire with fire. We do not fight racism with racism. We do not fight capitalism with capitalism. We fight fire with water. We fight racism with solidarity. And we're going to fight capitalism with socialism. And if you're afraid of socialism, as Fred Hampton also says, then you're afraid of yourself. Because socialism is taking the society we live in today and putting it in the hands of the very people who have built that society with their own hard blood, sweat, and tears. It is giving the resources of certain geographical areas to the people who live and come from those geographical areas so they can decide how to use those resources to benefit that geographical area and the people in that geographical area. We cannot just mobilize, we must organize. We can stand up and go shout at some protests. We can stand up and go you know, demand freedom in front of a, a city hall for a day. But when that freedom doesn't come, if we choose instead to... What the fuck are you doing? If we choose instead to step away or to not do more, to not connect protests and demonstrations to a larger struggle, then we have not organized and we need to organize We need to organize for the sake of being ready for any and all situations, such as members of our party being shot and killed, workers being thrown back into their jobs, people getting locked up, folks getting exiled. Think about Asada Shakur. Think about Eldridge Cleaver. Think about all these revolutionaries who maybe at the time didn't have the, the, the ideology that others in the struggle wanted. That was enough to single them out, to isolate them, and to be able to have the state and the pigs come down on them. Um, We need community. We need organization. We need solidarity in action and solidarity in formation. We cannot just say solidarity to you, comrade, on Facebook and think that that means a goddamn thing. Solidarity means when indigenous people say, come and help defend Where they are trying to create line three. We need water protectors. We need land defenders. We need tree climbers. Go! 
There's all kinds of ways to get there and they'd love to have you and they need you. Go. I can't get there. So you go for me or get someone who can go to go because that's solidarity. Solidarity is when black folks say, hey, Juneteenth doesn't mean shit. Come down here to the tenants union and help make this black tenant you know, union be able to defend the black tenants in this building. Or come down here into this community and feed our black homeless population. Or just feed our homeless population that may or may not happen to be black. You know, get with black liberation leaders, get with black folks, get with black communities, get with brown communities, get with indigenous communities and put your hands out and say, what do y'all need? How can I help? That's solidarity. Solidarity is, oh, you need someone down here once a week to hand out PPE to these homeless folks who, you know, unfortunately don't have anyone care enough about them. Okay, I'll be there. Solidarity is, hey... Um, you know, we're trying to get this little, this little party started, um, and we need some money and we need some money because we want to go down once a week and we want to hand out PPE to houseless people. Solidarity is giving what you have to give, whether that be action, money, time, energy, conversation. I don't care. Solidarity is giving what you can give to help. That's solidarity. Um, and this all comes from structuring your community in a way that understands that none of y'all, I don't care who you are. I don't care how rich you are. You always got to get your food from somewhere. You always got to get your lumber from somewhere. You always got to get your clothes from somewhere and from someone and from someplace that isn't yourself. We cannot survive without one another. We need community. We need solidarity. We need socialism. We need class struggle. We need revolution. And that's going to come from people organizing, not mobilizing. That's going to be from people united in action, not in thought. And that's going to come from people getting down, getting in the streets, talking with people, building yourselves a little organization, doing what you got to do to facilitate and help the needs of the people in your own area. That's all anyone can ask you for. And that's all you should ask of yourself. Um, if you're not doing that, you know, a lot of us have our reasons, whether that be actual, you know, I can't or I won't, um, we got to figure out how to then, you know, if I can't, um, for whatever reason, then I got to figure out how to make a show that somebody else can, you know, the Black Panther Party structured itself so that when Fred Hampton was murdered at 21 years old and his home somebody was able to step into his place when Asada Shakur and and Angela Davis were locked up time and time again thrown you know left the country for whatever reason there had to be someone there that was going to be doing their job in their organizations there had to be someone there to help the people that they said they were going to help otherwise you have failed your community and we cannot fail any longer if you're still listening to this i appreciate you very much uh go ahead and follow me on instagram facebook tiktok and twitter for episode updates um and for whatever bullshit i put out if you would like also go ahead and 
reach out to me for whatever reason, you know, you want to tell me I'm stupid, I don't know what I'm talking about, or you want to tell me, you know, this, that, or the third, you want to tell me about something you're doing in your area to give me all, you know, jazzed up and excited, you want to tell me about a struggle you've had trying to get involved organizing, I don't care, reach out to me at indefensiveliberation at gmail.com, I'd love to chat with you, um, yeah, you can find my blog at for liberation no caps no spaces dot wix site w i x s i t e dot com forward slash website um you can find me on there if you enjoy the show enjoy anything i have to say i have it in written form there and i hope you might enjoy it um but yeah thank you for listening thanks for stopping by um as i said this is in defense of liberation the show that is working towards and educating about a true people's liberation movement and hopefully one day a true proletarian revolution uh but until we get there thanks for listening i have been your host josh and uh we will see you next time folks stay safe stay revolutionary stay loving each other stay sane and uh stay struggling we'll catch y'all later